Hi, everyone. Welcome to Aaron and Justin Talk Sequels. I'm Justin. See, I did it wrong <laughs> on purpose. <laughs> it messed it up. Let's just get to it. Right, no, so we're you, talking about the last you, No, you intro oh. the show. Hey, everybody. Let's this see if is you can do Aaron and Justin Talk Sequels, a movies podcast. This is Justin. Wait, no, that's Justin. <laughs> that is hard. That's that's Aaron. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's with that's, me. That was I, that, a stupid That's bit. how you got to say it. You got to say, like, with me is Justin. Or you can just do it all yourself. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about The Last Crusade, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. This is the episode where we talk about our intro for 15 minutes before we talk about the movie. <laughs> um, what are your memories with The Last Crusade? Hmm, I don't remember seeing it in theaters at all. I'm sure I just watched it as part of the trilogy. Like maybe my parents watched Indiana Jones, whatever, one of the three. And that just happened to be when I saw it. But I was definitely a kid when I saw it because I was a huge Indiana, Indiana Jones fan. And it maybe was because of the first movie, maybe because of the second or this one. I'm not sure what made me a fan, but I remember watching them all concurrently when I was a kid. This movie is definitely the one that made me a fan. It was perfect for me as a kid because yeah. kids are stupid. Um, <laughs> and this might be the movie that made me like Sean Connery. You know, after this there's a lot of stuff where he probably didn't deserve me to love him as much as I did, but I kept coming back to this character that he had playing Indiana Jones's dad. Well, he's funny in this. He's yeah. witty. Sean Connery was huge to me too. And it wasn't because of James Bond. Like I didn't know anything about that. Obviously that was pretty, cause I was a Roger Moore guy. Cause my dad liked Roger Moore. So I didn't really, wasn't too familiar with Sean Connery uh, as James Bond, but yeah, he was in, in last crusade. I mean, the rock Totally. Sean Connery and The, the Rock. Rock. That, yeah. that might be one of the best Sean Connery movies. And then, you know, he'd pop up here and there. Uh, Last Crusade, always yeah. my favorite. Yeah. And it's a return to form for the franchise. Mm, for sure. uh, with Temple of Doom, we saw them go bigger and bolder. And they saw the results. And then they dialed everything back and followed the pattern of Raiders a little closer. Do you ever notice in these movies... There's always a respected archaeologist that had done all the work. And then Indiana Jones kind of swoops in, uses their work to complete it. Like he, there's other people doing oh, like yeah, the 95% sure. and he's doing like the 5%. Yeah, it's usually people he knows in some way, in some fashion. Yeah, like in the first movie, it's Marion's dad. Mm-hmm. He was Abner, the guy who was Abner in charge of. Yeah. And the second movie, I think they didn't do this. No, there was a guy really, he knew. Yeah, well, that the movie's so different. Yes. like it's just not like the other ones because it's it's as we talked about in the last podcast, he just falls into this adventure. Yes, and they make sure not to do that again. Like with the third one, it's absolutely his dad did all the work and he's gone missing. Mm-hmm. And he's looking for his dad, and then as we're going to discuss in the fourth one, it's another one of his old research yeah. friends has gone missing. And they have to go and yep. figure out what's up. So yeah, they this uh, this is a real return to form for the franchise, yep. and they're fighting Nazis, and they really take the Nazi thing up another level. Well, they certainly learned some valuable lessons from the uh, a, a lot of the negativity. I get uh, negativity. A lot of the complaints that they got from Temple of Doom, in that Nazis are the perfect villain because you can just show them any way you want you can be so mean to a nazi because nazis are the worst thing right 
how can you yeah. you can't possibly offend anyone and that's the problem with temple is that it could be a little offensive based on who you want to say is the enemy and who you want to say is a savage or a native or anything you know doesn't always fly and i think they got some of those complaints so yeah you just throw nazis in there nobody has a problem with that because you can totally mess with a nazi and i love it but they definitely follow the template set by raiders but i do love that they add in the father uh story so that adds like another level where raiders didn't tackle that subject at all why don't you yeah, like it like I the just col- don't understand oh we'll get there okay i didn't say i didn't like it okay i said it's the worst sequel that's uh whatever you mean by that but yeah the cold open does something yeah. fun here uh because we actually go back in time mm-hmm. to see young indiana jones and we learned where he gets his hat <laughs> another one it's of those the best opening to any of the indiana jones movies that's what i think river phoenix plays him as a younger man he's like a boy scout uh and i guess when you're a boy scout in the desert area like um arizona or new mexico wherever they are you go on field trips and i mean it's like 1916 or something like that so yeah it was very much horseback going to experience the environment and going to experience nature so whatever happens he gets separated from the group he finds other archaeologists slash grave robbers stealing this uh, golden cross that was left by some, it sounds like some conquistador, right? Who somehow came yeah. to New Mexico? I don't really know. Uh, I guess that's not, I mean, you know, conquistadors were uh, exploring Mexico and uh, South America. So I guess it stands to reason they could slide up into what is now America too. Yeah, because I think a lot of that land was originally Mexico and true. we fought a lot of war or just one war over it yeah Yeah. so yeah so but that's where you meet see i love the cold open because you don't even need to know who the dude with the rose is you don't even need to know why that cross is important you don't need to know any of that all you do is experience this this moment in indy's life where he becomes who he is destined to be and he just has this desire to rescue the past and it and he steals the cross from the grave robbers they go on this great chase it's really fun with the whole circus train thing uh the magic box which is a fun shot because if you watch the shot it never cuts so he actually uses the magic box but then he gets home meet his father quick and he loses and that's what i love about it and that the dude that looks like who he's going to become gives him the hat and says you lost today but you don't gotta like it and he gives him the hat they leave and then you cut to kind of the present and um he's after the cross again it became this lifelong obsession with him to get that cross amidst all of his other adventures finding the lost ark saving that so, village from the temple and everything yeah it's great so i i mean in this context he is straight up breaking onto this guy's boat mm-hmm. to steal something that is legally disguises guess, and then yeah. his actions result in that guy dying yeah because he his it's like boat a dark explodes. turn, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, but I like, like to think of it more as like he uh, Rose dude. He knew what he was getting into too. This is archaeology in the world of Indiana Jones. It is a life and death situation. If you want to play the game, you can very well die, and and Indy's okay with that. Indy will put his life at risk for the sake of history, and and that's the rules they play by, and I'm okay with that. This cold open also sets up young Indiana Jones adventures, yeah. a TV show. Yep. Uh, did you watch it? I did. I remember watching a couple of the episodes. Yeah, it was fun. And yeah, I mean, this was like totally the best episode was the cold open from this movie was the best episode. And unfortunately, River Phoenix, yep. obviously, he passed away. I don't know if he was ever going to be Indiana Jones in the show. 
probably not you know doing doing movies and then going to do tv back in the early 90s was definitely two separate things nobody would do tv if they were a respected actor so but anyway he was by far the best young indiana jones but the show was still pretty good yeah i liked it and it also introduces introduces us to a the really the biggest flaw with this movie these movies have always followed a very loose internal logic where stuff if you think about it too hard doesn't really make any sense and this movie is chock full of it starting with the magic box in the cold open where a train transporting this stuff has a magic box built into the train car and he's able to cut through the bottom somehow like that train car just happened to have a hole (laughs) well i don't know maybe the train car was actually the stage i don't know look I see where you're going with that, but those small little fun set pieces that fall apart when you think about it do not ruin a movie. What ruins a movie is a long, stretched out scene of Shia LaBeouf swinging with monkeys on vines. That ruins a movie. How dare you? If he just (laughs) grabbed one vine and swung and then a monkey gave him a reaction, I would be like, funny, but they make it such... A scene, a set piece. That's where I'm with you and how that logic ruins a movie. These little things, that's par for the course. These are fun little Spielberg things. You don't have to think about them too hard, and they're fun. I don't consider the the mystery box a deal breaker because that's the kind of internal logic that these other movies use and sure. you are fine with it. Right. Like uh like Indy pushing the boob statue and finding the hidden place in her yes. room. Like why would it be there? It doesn't matter. But it doesn't ruin the movie yes. because it's only a little bit. It's only a little thing. But I don't it, try not to get worked we, up. But when we get to the <laughs> end of this movie, that's when the internal logic gets so out of whack that it's falls apart for me. So yeah, cold open we'll see. is good. And then we see Indiana Jones being Indiana Jones, teaching at a school, yep. skipping out on his kids because he's like not shit about teaching. Yeah, they go back. They show him in his in the private sector doing his yeah. thing. Uh, Marcus comes in. Marcus is a little goofier in this movie, but it doesn't ruin the character for me. Yeah. But if that yeah. was in service of actually having him be more part of the movie than he was in Raiders, I was fine with it because I, I like Marcus. I think he's a good uh, he plays a good role in here. Yeah, I like him. And who else do we have? We have the return of the John Reese Davies. Yeah, he comes. He's a little bit wasted. I feel like in this movie, he's not as important as he was in Raiders. But we meet um, Elsa, the Nazi chick. Yeah, is what I call her. But you don't know she's a Nazi chick. You just know that she's German at the beginning. Elsa Schneider. Yeah. So, well, a big point is that he he's at college and he gets this. Um, he got something in the mail. So he uh, the kids are always after him. Uh, and he just doesn't want to handle it, so he climbs out his window. He's leaving the he's leaving the thing, and he gets picked up by Donovan, which is like this rich dude who who isn't like he would never put himself in danger like Indiana Jones, but he's basically Indiana Jones. That he collects rare antiquities, but he wants to keep them for himself, not give them the museums. And he has Indy kind of snatched in a way, uh, saying, I mean, and he basically. gives him the whole thing. He talks about the Holy Grail. This is what the movie is about. He talks about the Holy Grail, the cup that Jesus allegedly drank out of on the Last Supper before he was crucified. So everybody's been searching for the Holy Grail. He has part of a tablet that kind of shows where it is because there's a legend about three knights hundreds of years ago, right? And they found, yes, and they found the Grail and two of them left after hundred, like a hundred years or whatever. So they're very old and they left and one of them stayed behind to guard the Grail. 
because apparently the Holy Grail will give you eternal life if you drink from it. But you have to stick with the Grail or you end up dying. So like one of them went somewhere and left a clue, left that tablet to say where the Grail was. And then another one went to Venice and left a, a version of the tablet as well to say what it was. So the idea the is shield. the shield, right? Let me just sum it up in that Donovan has part of the inscription that tells you how to get find the grail and they need the other one. So he got a team together with the foremost expert on the Holy Grail search, but now that person has gone missing. And Dr. Jones, Indiana Jones is like, well, you should have spoke to my father. He's the one that you need to do this. And he's like, we did. He's the team leader. He's gone missing. <gasps> so that moves the movie along. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense for that one Knight Templar uh, he was really big on carving into stone. Apparently, I mean, the, the do these things like, hey, really man. get to you? These little I, things. You could. I put it on my shield. You see how I put it on my shield? I could just put it on your shield, yeah. so you don't have to carry this big stone around. Oh, you want to carry the big stone? Okay. Well, I that's mean, you your just thing, man. Yeah, these little, these little things like really get to you in the movie. You're just like, oh, I'm, come on! You're spitting popcorn just... as you're watching the movie. <laughs> you're supposed to believe this. I just, I'm like, these things never occurred to me, and nor should they. I feel like you're letting these little tiny things ruin this amazing movie for you. Uh, again, I like the movie, but looking at it with a critical <laughs> eye, this one just has way more issues. Are you forcing yourself to look at it with a critical eye, or do you just cannot help it? When I'm doing it for the podcast, it's... Yeah, but I don't look eye. at it like I'm, I'm not tearing... I don't see... Looking at it with a critical eye is not the same as tearing a movie apart. And, I'm and, not tearing it apart, God. but you are because, like, what does it matter if it was on the tablet or on the shield? What does it matter? It, it doesn't. doesn't matter. I'm just wondering about these That's guys' what I'm preferences. Saying. That's what I'm like, saying. Well, I'm just don't if know the magic box in the train car became the thing that we revisited a couple times <laughs> throughout the movie, then I would be like, "What is with this? It doesn't make any sense." But it was literally Every there and it was gone, box. and then you're just like, "Cool, that's it. That's it." Like don't don't let it ruin your experience. I feel for All you. Right, moving, moving, moving on. on. He goes to find uh, his dad because apparently he doesn't believe that he was kidnapped. His dad's place is ransacked. It's then he realizes he got a book in the mail. It's his father's journal with all the stuff he's ever uh, learned about the Holy Grail. He sent it to him because he didn't want it. Wherever, wherever he's kidnapped by whoever, he didn't want them to get hold of the book. And now Indy's got it. So Indy has to complete the mission. But really for him, it's not about finding the Grail. He has to find his father. And that's what he tells Donovan as much, I believe. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be your new mission commander. <laughs> Whatever it was. Team leader. Uh, yeah, but it's, I, team leader. it's all about finding my father. So he goes to Venice. He meets Elsa, who's was part of the uh, team as well with his father. And they start just using the book to pick up the trail and do what his dad would have done. So they go to an old church that's been converted to a library. Yep. The the people that buried this guy that wandered out of the desert and just kind of died of supreme or super old age. Mm-hmm. They were like, ah, this guy must be really important. Let's bury him in the bottom of this church and point people in the direction of his yeah. body by placing well, now there a, were a lot of people into there. the tile work. Why wouldn't you just have a door? Because that they wouldn't just... make an Indiana Jones movie very much fun. 
Were they like, okay, we're never going to put a body down here again, and I never want to see these bodies again, so we're just going to wall this off? I don't know. I mean, I yeah, don't know so how to argue with it about it. these things because... I'm going to keep doing it. These never struck me as beyond comprehension, and uh, they made no sense. The way that everything, almost everything they do in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull makes absolutely no sense to me. But see, The Last like, Crusade, I, I that... feel like they do explain these things. I just don't have a memory to say exactly everything about it. But it make, it stands the reason that a lot of people were buried under churches important people he was a knight after all i don't know who he told his story to but apparently they believed it and that's fine i don't know why it was on a shield i don't know why it's on a tablet it stands up to criticism is all i'm saying that's my point so the roman numeral thing is too simple for me that's what i i never liked about it hey there's an x there you go x marks the spot it's just a little fun little thing but i think that whole scene serves the librarian stamping the book and that every time he does it is the exact time that Indy is breaking the ground like that's funny like that's what that scene served to do why Indy handed his book off to Marcus and told Marcus to wait up there I don't know because then Marcus got stolen he got kidnapped mm-hmm. right that was pointless mm-hmm. I'm with you there like it's just one of those things hey wait wait here it's like they had to answer the question where is Indiana Jones's dad and they did this whole thing just mm-hmm. for, to like they needed an action set piece to get that answer and I think yeah. that's funny but and, the action set piece are so they move the story forward so well now this probably doesn't make any sense but the movies I equate Indiana Jones to and I don't know if I said this on the last episode the most are the Fast and the Furious movies <laughs> I don't know maybe I've never seen those movies. Like, I haven't seen those movies either, but they're then these how the hell are you equating crazy... <laughs> Because they're these crazy action movies that are nothing but constant set pieces that move the story forward and ridiculous things happen in every one. And well, it became it that up. way. This is what I do know yeah. about Fast and Furious. And I did see the first movie, um, although I have very yeah, me too. limited re- memory of it. It started out very street level car kind of movie. But now that it's gone to nine films, they've done crazier. They, they do, they're doing the Mission Impossible thing where they got to one up themselves. And that inevitably over nine films has led them into crazy territory. But everything that in and everything that Indiana Jones does, I mean, it's in keeping with the 1930s, really, and and just archaeology and adventure movies. Like they don't go too out there. Well, no, like I was just thinking more Except along the lines of they're not as concerned about following a strong strong internal logic either. Like I think they're willing to be like, oh yeah, his dad was here in the picture the whole time, and he's been fighting bad guys in Cuba, and now Vin has to go down to Cuba to help his dad, like stuff like that. Like, oh, I see. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's not there's not anything that grabs me as too illogical in these movies, though. Here's the, here's the Indiana Jones logic. He's an archaeologist that grave robs. He's also a teacher. He makes things up as he goes along. He always finds elaborate booby traps and set pieces to figure out in order to find the prize. And then something supernatural happens to wrap it all up. That's the logic. I'm saying that this movie does the worst job of keeping that logic together. That's all. And uh, my argument is that Kingdom of the Crystal Skull follows that internal logic better than The Last Crusade. Yeah, I don't think it does at all. Actually, I know it doesn't, but I'll give you the benefit of the doubt to hear your uh, argument about that. We will get there, okay? So they're in Venice. This is our most contentious episode. No, I'm totally fine with it. You're the one that wants to be angry about it. 
Oh, so they're in Venice. Uh, I do have a question I've never been able to figure out because there's this, um, there's the guards of the Holy Grail is kind of what attack them because they try to stop anybody who gets close to finding it. They're very bad at it. Yes. The two of them even get killed following them in the boat. Uh, Elsa and Indy have to make a cool escape. They take boats. There's this big boat chase. It's very dramatic. But he, he finds the one dude in the in the Fez hat. He realizes that, like, okay, he doesn't want to kill me because he, he understands I'm just trying to find my father. And the Grail just happens to be second on my mind. Uh, so he's going to let us go. Or we're going to let him go. Whatever. How does he know where his dad is? They've been watching the whole time. So he knew huh? that the Nazis captured him, and they put him in a castle mm-hmm. in Brussels. Yeah, it was right on the German like border. Yeah. But, How does um, he know that specifically? They were like, oh, look, they're kidnapping that guy. You, go with them. Tell me what they're up to. <laughs> okay. That, that, to me, is the biggest question I've always had. I've never understood why he knew that. He made, made him sound like his people were at the castle or something, but we never see that. Yeah, what's their level of involvement Pretty hands they, off. Have they ever seen the Grail? Have they gotten to drink from the Grail? Because they're the followers. They're like they're like the descendants know. or the apostles of these knights, basically. Like they these got these followed what banging. these knights said. What's that? Yeah, they followed it. Yeah, like the knights told them, "This is what we. This is where it is. This is where what we're trying to protect." And and now my son will protect, and your and then his son, and then it's gone on for generations. That's what these people are, I guess. But they're not and, very good at it. You know, honestly, that knight isn't very good at hiding. He's like, "I'm gonna hide in this cave." But also, yeah. could you build a giant outdoor building into the face of the cave so that nobody knows I'm here? Well, do you know what that is? That's Petra. It's very famous. Yeah, it is very famous. Yeah. And so that's a set piece that they were able, because they're George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, to be like, why don't we use Petra? That'd be awesome. It's just cool. It's already there. They don't even have to build it. So that's fun. It is. These are meant to be fun movies, and yeah. I have fun watching them. I certainly hope you do. <laughs> Before this rewatch, I just remembered liking them, but I was never like a fan. And this really rekindled my love for this yeah. franchise. Oh, I was a huge fan, man. God, I loved it so much. Yeah. Like I had the hat. We went to Disney World and we saw the Indiana Jones thing, you know, like where the guy plays Indiana Jones. And it was very cool. And there's spikes coming out of the ground and he's got to move this way and the ball comes down and all that fun stuff. And I bought the hat. Uh, my dad bought me the hat. So I had an Indiana Jones hat for years didn't really fit anymore once I got a little older, but um, I was using it as a prop on a movie that we shot years ago, and one of the extras stole it. He like Seriously? he didn't take it off when yeah when he went home he just left it on because I think he liked it. Just some old dude. I know where he lives, but I'll let it go. <laughs> so they go to Brussels, right? It is Brussels. It's his castle. His father's there. This also I think marks like the only time you'll ever hear Harrison Ford do an accent. <laughs> So when he pretends to be that highfalutin German art critic or whatever who came to check out the tapestries. You have beautiful oh, tapestries. Yes. And the guy responds like, our tapestries are amazing. Like he's so taken back that his tapestries wouldn't be as good as we thought. That was pretty funny. Uh, yeah, but he does that. He gets, uh, he finds his father and it's Sean Connery. Who knew? This is where we figure out that Elsa's a Nazi because she turns on them. Yeah. Henry Jones Sr. and Henry Jones Jr. both sleep with the same girl. That's comedy gold. That was very, I love that part. very funny. He's like, how do you, how did you know she was a Nazi? He's like, she talks in her sleep. And that is all they say <sighs> about it. It's just an amazing line. Yeah. We got to get to the end of this movie. So where do we go from here? Yeah. We have a whole nother movie to talk about. Oh. Uh, the Joneses, Sean Connery and Harrison Ford, uh, escape this castle. Mm-hmm. Just, they fight Nazis. They end up escaping. And then we get the worst chase scene in the history of movies. 
There's probably worse, but I was bored to death with this action set piece. I don't know about you. On the motorcycle? The motorcycle chase is literally, there's no suspense in the way that it's filmed. And it's literally just them driving and other motorcycles following them. Like, they're just a lot of wide shots. And so you just kind of slowly watch them driving on the road. And it just struck me at how lazy it was. You know, back in 1989, I don't know if people had seen seen chases like that before. So I think you have to kind of put yourself in the time period this came out. A lot of car chases. I don't know if they really had motorcycle chases. And it's great um, when he shoves that pole in the guy's wheel and makes him flip over i mean it's very dramatic i don't know what you're talking about because these go don't go on so long that it bores me where do they go after the motorcycle chase that's well see that that's the cool thing about sean connery is that he's a believer to be fair indy should be a believer too because of what he saw in both temple of doom and raiders of the lost ark but he plays mm-hmm. indiana jones who is always skeptical no matter what he's gone through so he just wants to get home but sean connery makes a very impassioned plea for like this is the greatest archaeological find. This is this beats your crappy law, uh, Ark of the Covenant find. This is the Holy Grail, which I don't think it does. I kind of think the Ark of the Covenant would be more important than the Holy Grail. No offense, yeah, because the Ark, Ark of the Covenant totally is more. old. Yeah testament all the jesus stuff's new testament and people are kind of like you know on the fence about the new testament thing but all religions get together with the old testament at least and he drank through a lot of cups through his life i'm not sure why that cup would be special i know it's the last one i guess well it's it's special because yeah. that is then what joseph of arimathea uh oh, captured the blood his body. yeah when the uh guard stuck the, the spear into his side to see if he was still alive joseph of arimathea caught the blood of jesus in that cup why did he do that? Well, oh shit! Somebody they, get a cup. He's bleeding. That's how they treated the son of God in their eyes. Like it was every part of him was like it was like when you're a hunter and you kill a deer. Like if you're a good hunter, you eat everything. Like you use everything, and that's how they treated Jesus's body. Like they weren't just gonna <laughs> let it go. <laughs> every bit is important. <laughs> They're not just gonna take the teeth and ditch the body. You know what I mean? Anyway, <laughs> Holy so, shit. Uh, so this was Catholic to, school. Don't you remember any of this stuff? Yeah, I, I remember, remember this, stuff. this. This is where I all my guilt the came from. The... These kind of stories. <laughs> uh, I'm still, still, still uh, working up through that guilt, Catholic guilt. Anyway, so, so they decide <laughs> to go to Berlin to yes. get his book back. That's right, because Marcus um, was kidnapped at the library, and he had the book for some reason. Uh, so his book is literally in Nazi territory, Berlin, and they got to go get it. And it's a great one because I love how torn Elsa is with this whole thing and that she turns out to be a Nazi, but she's an intellectual and she's a scientist and she's a professor, whatever she is. And she's torn about the book burning thing because isn't that inherently what was effed up about the Nazis is that they wanted to be this ultimate race. And yet they had a complete fear of knowledge. And that was shown so eloquently, I thought, in this movie with the burning of the books. And she's very torn about that because, like, why would you burn books? See, I took that in a completely different way. Did you? I took that what as is the way you this took movie. It? I took that as Indiana Jones, part of my language audience. Uh, Indiana Jones fucked this woman. And he fucked her so good that he, was, he broke the Nazi in her. <laughs> and so after she had this God. amazing sex... That's when she questioned her entire life. Wow, this is And that's hardcore. why we see her watching all this in a daze. Like, I don't... Um, you know what? If anything, Indy. I think a better way to think of it is that I think Sean Connery was a better lay than his son was. That's a, that's a more fun way to think about it. And that Indy's got to deal like, with that. 
I take that it like I think about it my way. She slept with old Indy or er, old Henry yeah. Sean Connery, and she still let him get kidnapped. <laughs> <laughs> or they're the same it's person, after. and she got to get both sides of it. Like she got the old version, she got the young version. They're just the same Doctor Jones, as far as she's concerned. Uh, yeah. yeah, you know what, my um. Eight-year-old mind never went there when I first saw this movie, but um, that's okay. You know, I mean, we can rethink about things when we get older. And this book, uh, Birding, was a very famous Nazi event. Uh, yeah. They just fudged the dates. I think it happened in like thirty-five. Sure. Like, there's one super, yeah. super famous one, and that that uh, Hitler may have actually been at. Sure. I mean, that's a goofy thing too, is that he meets Hitler, but it's funny, right? Hitler signs his book. Yeah, that was funny, and it, yeah. that is Spielberg magic there. Like, he just has a way of building that suspense and then making it funny. It reminded me of when Marion and Belloc were in the were in the tent in Raiders of the Lost Ark, and that crazy Nazi comes in, and he pulls out the little S&M thing. You think it's going to be some, like, torture device, and it turns out to just be a coat hanger. Like, that is a callback to the first movie in that he's face-to-face with Hitler. Hitler grabs the book because Hitler clearly knows that's the book that's going to find him the Holy Grail. But no, he's just signing it. But why would you sign a book that you're going to anyways i don't know all right never mind it would have been funnier if he had grabbed it and then like tossed it into the fire <laughs> and indy's like yeah. hi, hi, oh, hitler. hitler hitler jeez what a goof so he gets out of so, there yeah, he gets the uh, book back he gets out of there and they get going to get marcus back so they they the end of the movie is set up they now know where the grail is and now it's a race between them and the nazis to get there mm-hmm. and how do they leave germany uh oh they're getting on the blimp the zeppelin yeah and they are going to be found out so they have to jump in the the emergency plane that's connected to it i mean yes yeah. this is true but we're going to skip over my favorite error oh, in the sorry, movie where they sit down at their chair and sean connery picks up a newspaper and opens it and it is clearly upside down i forgot to look i'm sorry about that and i recorded the video like it's on twitter oh okay. uh, it's a whole that's scene funny. where he's looking at the paper and harrison ford's talking and he moves the paper to respond to him it's there and yeah i have a hard time with knowing that steven spielberg had to have seen it was upside down yeah but maybe like, he did i, I mean see you see any... something like that in the editing booth and you just think it's funny so you go with it harrison ford had to have seen it clearly and he's like <laughs> hey hey your paper's upside down and i imagine sean connery being like i nailed the shane let's move on you know yeah Hey, it was probably the best scene. It was his best take. You got to go with it. There's a lot of... Con- I mean, you could you go to any website that has continuity errors. There's probably a thousand in Last Crusade. I actually went one through of the most them trying to verify. Yeah. And, I mean, there was obviously some, but there wasn't a ton. But it was the most glaring to me. I like the father-son Gosh. talk they have on the on the Zeppelin. And then, it, and then like, it, what does he say? Oh, he says, like... Connery says, like, well, you left right when you were getting interesting. Like, he just doesn't understand what it's like being a father. He just has no idea. And that's what I like about it. But but then they come to the conclusion where it's just like, well, what are you complaining about? Here we are. Let's go find this thing. And then I think they come together at that moment where they're just like, fine, you're right. We both like to do the same thing. Let's just find the goddamn cup. Yeah. So they got to get out of there because they're going to get found out. Yeah. And that's a fun yes. scene. Yeah. Plane with some with some classic blue screen. Doesn't look that great, but it had a great 80s feel to it, you know, both them flying. There's some German planes going after them because they realized they were on the blimp mm-hmm. and they shoot them down and Connery saves the day by uh, the birds on the but, beach, yeah. Yep, using his umbrella to scare yep. the birds into the plane and 
yeah, after that, I feel like we get they steal a car hard. No, oh, yeah, that, they the do. car. They... Yeah, they steal a car and then the car gets blown up. But where do they go from yeah, there? They... I can't remember. Oh, we're just gonna skip over this. That there's a poor man just living his life, and here comes the Jones guys steal his car and blow it up. I don't think he was poor. That's... I mean, the car seemed pretty nice. He was just fixing it didn't the flat. Seem that nice. Just saying. <laughs> so they somehow make it out of there. I can't recall how. I feel like they just finished it and then we cut. And the Germans have made a deal with a, a prince, you know, who has a kingdom in Egypt in the area where they're going to find the Grail as well. So then they get his soldiers and and that's and, and tanks and things like that. So that's how the Nazis are big and bad. They're on their way to the Grail. Uh, Indy and, and Henry have picked have hooked up with John Rice Davies. Right, who plays? Yep. Can't remember his name. And they're on their way to the Grail too. And then there's a scene where they have to rescue Marcus. And then yeah, it's a crazy, crazy tank chase. Yep. Yeah, there's a tank chase. Um, I love there's it. a big battle with the it's big good. Nazi bad. Another callback to the classic Raiders. You know, when he's fighting the guy on the plane. This one's on a tank. Yeah, it follows that. And then the tank goes over the side of the cliff. Yep. They're all looking over the side and they're sad because they don't yep. see him and they're mourning. And this is where we see him climb up. So let's skip to the end because I feel like we got to. There, there's more things to cover. But turns out Donovan is working with the Nazis as well. Elsa's a Nazi. All the Nazis are there. Jones boys are there. Marcus and John Rice Davies, right? Everybody's everybody's just there at the Petra, which I don't know if is known as Petra in the movie, but it's it's wherever they are. He has to then use the book that his father wrote in order to go through the three trials in order to find the cup because Donovan shoots his dad, and he says only by the power of the grail can you save your father so he's forced into this so he unlike the people that have no experience with doing booby traps he survives of course he goes through the first trial doesn't get his head cut off goes through the second where he's supposed to spell out the name of jesus um yeah you know i'm i'm with you in that these things are only set up once at least, at least as far as the uh, name of God goes. Like once you break and fall through, well, that thing is now broken. So anybody else who's coming knows not to step there. But apparently, he's the first, first yeah, person that ever made it through. Who made those? Technical I don't know. marvel. This always happens. The nice. We talked about this in Raiders and that archaeologists love Indiana Jones. And it was such a big movie to them when they were kids. And it made them want to be archaeologists today. But they always say whatever Indy's after is not nearly as cool or important as the amazing technological feats that were created in these booby traps. Like that's what archaeologists would be most enamored with. I just thought that was always funny. But yeah. they take that to like a crazy degree in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull to the point where it does get obnoxious to me and annoying. But we'll get there. So he, and then the last thing, he has to do the leap, the leap of faith. And he is prepared to die because I remember watching that and not knowing what's going to happen. And I'm just like, he just, he's just going to die. He just stepped right out. And he had faith. And I think that showed a lot of character in Indy, even though he could have very well died. And that was a great special effect. I loved that special effect as a kid. Yeah, and that's something nobody ever saw. But it was great. I don't know if that would actually work that way in real life. It seemed like if you just like moved your head to the side, you'd be like, oh, it's, it's really a ladder. It's just been those three nights. They were responsible for all of this. I guess so. And then we get to where the movie just stops making any kind of fucking sense. Don't let the old knight scare you. So we get to the final chamber yeah. where the old, the last living of these three knight brothers is. Hundreds of years old. Hundreds of years. I mean, yep. thousands in theory. It was more like King Arthur time. So it was like 1300s, 1400s, 1500s, somewhere around there. 
So like yeah, 700 yeah. years old could have been. Old. Or and, five, um, So he's got this setup. When he's had was he has to have been practicing this pitch quite a bit. People are going to walk in. He knows this. And he's like, mm-hmm. all right, they've already beaten the three tests and they're here. They need one more test. What should it be? I'm going to just put a bunch of fucking other cups in the room. Where did these other cups come from? I don't know. And he brought them with him. Who gave the other cups evil powers? That's my biggest. This biggest is God issue again. Is. This is always God. God is the answer to these, to at least to the first and third movie. And that he will punish you if you are of an evil heart. So I, I I submit to you that even if India had chosen wrong, he wouldn't have been punished. But a Nazi is a great enemy because God will punish the Nazis. And that's what happens to Donovan at the end where he chooses. Elsa does it on purpose. She says, let me pick. So she picks this beautiful cup. And Donovan's, of course, like, oh, yes, this is the cup of a king. He drinks the water. He turns into he melts before her eyes. He's dead. And if it's the water. But it's a water? nice twist. That Indy's like, this is the cup of a carpenter, this little clay thing. Okay, so they didn't find the cup there. They brought the cup there. So why is this seal a thing? Why is the water being magical a thing? I don't know about the seal. When it's the knights that picked it. I'm with you on the seal. That is a jumping logic for me. Because we rigged an elaborate elaborate fucking booby trap <laughs> i'm with you on that that why is there a seal there why can't you keep, take the cup beyond it apparently you can't but he uses the the holy water in the cup he gets back he heals his father his father's fine and uh elsa wants the cup so she takes it beyond the seal in her greed and the whole place starts falling apart she dies they all make it out they let the cup go because his father finally realizes that the true treasure is fatherhood <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> is the trip along the way. <laughs> yeah. And they make it out. So, I mean, holy cow, the movie is so good and it's such a fun adventure. And if they had wrapped up Indiana Jones in that way, which is what we all thought they did, perfectly fine. I was happy with it. I never I never expected another Indiana Jones. Like, I never looked for one. No, neither did I. It was my favorite movie as a, uh, Indiana Jones as a kid. Yep. But now as an adult, I think they do a better job with the other ones. Here's the thing, yeah. Uh, people wrongly believe that Last Crusade is the best Indiana Jones. And I don't fault them in that because I probably was there too because it's more fun. It's the funnest movie because of Sean Connery and Harrison Ford together. But when you get older, you realize that not only is Raiders the best story and the best put together film, it's also, in my opinion, Spielberg's absolute best movie. So that's why Raiders is hands down the finest Indiana Jones. My official order is Raiders, Temple, Kingdom, Crusade. Okay. Now we move on to Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yeah. A popular thing. I was going to say that came out in 89, right? And Crystal Skull was like 2007, maybe? 2008. 19 years later. So this is modern filmmaking where they want Mm. to profit from all franchises that people loved and so there had to be this fourth movie which had been talked about forever yep but because of the arrangement between spielberg lucas and ford lucas was always the holdout he was never happy with where the story was and eventually they got the pitch to where Lucas would sign off. And the popular conversation was always that they wanted to pass the torch. Hmm. That was very relevant in the news media. And my argument here, with, uh, with time having passed, this movie came out 13 years ago, 
with time having passed and that conversation quieted down, I was able to appreciate this movie for just what it was and not mm. the hype. That's and good. if you take away the hype, this is a very solid entry in the Indiana Jones franchise. Watching them all back to back to back to back, I was amazed at how well Harrison Ford recaptured the spirit of Indiana Jones. And because I, I do a thing where I can't always tell where an actor is a good actor or not. Yeah, and I think Harrison problem. Ford is good in this movie. He's old, but at no point do I feel like he's frail. I feel like he's yeah, I'm able to do the stunts that we see on the screen. I don't know if that's going to happen in this fifth one. Much hype was around this movie and that people were so disappointed and, and it was hard to look at it with a critical eye. Taking away all of that, uh, it's still a very bad movie. <laughs> I don't know what the hell you are talking about. You have some good points there. Harrison Ford's great. He, he definitely recaptures Indiana Jones. Everything's fine about it. The movie is stupid and bad, okay? This is where we are right now. It's not good, and I'll tell you why very briefly. Everything is fine with it. I love everything about it until they find the actual skull in that graveyard. Once they find that skull, it becomes a talky, boring film, never recaptures the excitement because all the chase scenes that lead after that are horribly staged with CGI and they're goofy beyond belief. And then once all that goofiness ends, they're in the midst of this alien, but they're not alien. They're actually actually interdimensional creature, whatever, malarkey. And then it ends with this another cgi eyesore and then you're done like that that's the whole movie to me everything was it was going so well and then when they find that skull it just becomes boring and never recaptures the excitement that's me that's that movie to me in a nutshell i can accept (laughs) your criticism of this film even though you're wrong okay um i hear that let me just chime in with one more thing in that um, I always, uh, I heard some of those Lucas things that he was the holdout. But if you listen to Spielberg, Spielberg was the holdout. Because really? Lucas came to him in the 90s and said, like, I want to do Indiana Jones and Aliens. And this was like mid-90s, like maybe like 94, 95. And he's just like, yeah, I, I don't know. I already did two Alien movies. You know, I did Close Encounters. I did E.T. I just, I just don't know. If, like, he wasn't saying no, like, that we shouldn't go there. He was just saying, like, it's just, I just didn't really think. And then he said that Independence Day happened. And he loved Independence Day and what they did. And here's spaceships during the day. And they're way bigger than the mothership in his movies. <laughs> and he was just amazed by Independence Day. So he called Lucas up and said, maybe Alien should work. And we should look at Roland Emmerich's, Emmerich's film. Look at that for inspiration for the new Indiana Jones one. And then Lucas was like, okay, I'm going to run with that for a while. And then he like took a couple years thinking about it. And then when he got back to Spielberg, Spielberg was like, I kind of am rethinking this. And I think maybe Aliens has been played out. Let's not do Aliens. <laughs> so then like Spielberg turned it down again. And then he claims that Harrison Ford is the one that started talking to both of them again and said, I want to do another Indiana Jones movie. What do you got? And then Lucas was like, I want to do Aliens, but Spielberg doesn't want to do Aliens. So they're not aliens, they're interdimensional beings. And then Spielberg was like, that's an interesting take on it. Let's do that. And then that got the ball rolling to what we have now. We're not going to get too much into the plot of Let's this movie. Let's get into the plot. Why because... not? Why can't we get into the plot? Let's talk about the plot. Let's because go. The Let's plot go. Is the exact <laughs> same it. as every other Indiana Jones movie. Explain. What do you mean? Guess what? There is a secret hunt by not Nazis this time, but communists. Makes sense. 1957. Yeah. Exactly 19 years later. 
and I'm assuming yep. that they're going to do the exact like it spend 13, 14 years. Yeah, because no, well, they keep saying it's going to be around sixty nine. Yeah. Anyway, cookie cutter formula here: the bad guy is looking for an ancient artifact mm-hmm. to do a bad thing, and they hire an archaeologist who disappears, and then they get Indiana Jones to come and finish the work because he's the closer. And then Indy doesn't help them, but is trying to find the thing at the same time. Mm -hmm. They have a bunch of battles and they have a resolution where the bad guy and the good guy are at the end with the artifacts and the good guy wins. Yeah. So my argument is that this is bullshit because they already did that again in last crusade you can't do it again you can't always do this every time there's an indiana jones movie and that's why this one fails and i'm with you when there's this much of a break between movies audience tastes change Mm -hmm. and they for a bit pull a blues brothers 2000 where rather than a adapting the material for today's audiences they give you a movie that is something right out of the 80s and modern day audiences they can't accept that anymore that's not what they're used to seeing but at the same time they have a they have movies based on adventure serials from the 30s that they're now taking transporting to the 50s and then trying to sell it to an audience of 2008 that's a hard thing to do. And another thing that Lucas wanted to do is that since it was the 50s, he wanted to take those serials from the 30s and add in the B-movie science fiction movies of the 50s. That's what he was going for, and I feel like that didn't even pan out. Like, it didn't feel right to me. I see a lot of ideas, like, with The Force Awakens in here, where they take the basic story premise from Raiders or whatever, and they just update it for modern times yeah but they, it's not modern times it's the 50s and the 50s might be the least cool decade like there hasn't been a lot of 50s what's that word when like right now everybody loves the 80s nostalgia there's not the a 50s. lot of yeah yeah there's not a lot of nostalgia for the 50s so when you yeah see not Greasers, so much in the movies um or music well i would say the movie i would say lucas is right in that the bad uh, sci-fi movies of the 50s are cult movies because most of them and this is another thing that the movie tries to comment on but drops for some reason is a lot of the sci-fi movies of the 50s were comments on the red scare and the blacklisting of hollywood and the house on american committee meetings and stuff like that where people were turning on each other because they thought they were communist like all those a lot of those great sci-fi movies that weren't that great because of the special effects and stuff like that. That's why they're silly. But they were all comments on that. So that's what The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull starts out doing. The, let's just start from the beginning. So Kate Blanchett is a communist. They kidnap Indiana Jones and his friend Mac, who are old war buddies, because this has been years in World War II and everything. He was obviously, he's like a colonel in World War II. Uh, they bring him to Area 51. There you go. There's a great staple of sci-fi lore because uh, they want to find an alien that apparently crashed there in Roswell. Boom. There's the second sci-fi lore. And uh, Indy explains that he was one of the people that were there to like investigate Roswell, but it was all very hush-hush and he was blindfolded and he didn't really know what the hell he was doing there. I, I guess he never saw an alien. So they have this great chase in Area 51. It's a callback to Raiders because that's where the Ark was captured. I love all that. That's great. There's also like a secret testing base underneath it. That's great too. I love secret labs. 
they get sent on that rocket ship, another testing thing, a rocket thing. I love it. It's great. Everything's great about this movie. I'm totally with them. Uh, Mac turns out to be a double agent. You know, he turns, he's betraying Indiana Jones. Okay, cool. Ray Winstone is always a bad guy. Obviously, he was going to be. Uh, then the nuclear explosion, like he's in the middle of, you know, a testing site. It doesn't make a lot of sense why he would get in there. It's the same thing with like Sandman, uh, Kane Marco in Spider-Man 3, how he falls into this thing that they were like doing at night and there was no fence, you know, that really would keep anybody out and they have no idea that somebody's there, but they're going to blow it anyways. It doesn't make any sense, but I'm totally fine with it. He gets in the lead line fridge. He survives a nuclear blast. That's how you one up Indiana Jones. That's your cold open. It didn't bother me. It turned a lot of people off. I know. I was a big fan. Uh, and that shot where he's on that chain and he like comes down and he like kicks that guy into the window. That is a great stuntman thing. If you remember that, I don't know. It just looks amazing to me. Spielberg really knocked yeah. it out of the park there, at least for that first like 20 minutes. Anyway, I'm just trying to say like, there's a lot of this movie I love and, and, and anyway, so, but, but the FBI guys are, are, this is, I'm getting back to what I was talking about. The FBI guys are like questioning Indiana Jones. Like maybe you're not so American. And I think that was a great way to go with this movie. They were doing this whole blacklist kind of thing, this whole Red Scare thing. And that's why he got fired from his position yep. is because he's being investigated. And then it made me angry because that's that's the only reason they were doing that is because they needed to get him fired. They just wanted to get him fired so he'd leave. And I just, it was pointless. And I, I thought they could just could have went, for, I don't know what they would have done with it, but I think they could have went further with the whole communist thing. Yeah, that was just a dis. Oh, these movies are you can watch them saying, "Oh, they had to do that so they could get here." That but it didn't was just bother me as much in the other movies. It bothered me in this one though. Oh, so you're saying you're having issues with the internal logic of the movie? Uh, no, I'm. It's not the internal logic of the movie. It is the storytelling. It's the script writing of the movie is what I have a problem with. Hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing, and so he means Mutt, who is Shia LaBeouf's character again. Much like uh, Topher Grace in Spider-Man 3, didn't turn me off as much as everybody. Because everybody just hated Shia LaBeouf because of the Transformers movie. They were tired of him and all of his, no, 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 no. No. You know, he plays the Marlon Brando type. He's some badass. And they do a good job of him taking offense about everything that Indy's saying, you know. And Indy's just like, calm down all the time. And then they have that great greaser and the prep fight it goes really well the chase through the college thing is a great throwback to the other indiana jones movies everything's working but i'll let you take over for a while so because he, he's got to talk about ox his friend ox and everything yeah and it, there's just a standard another archaeologist who'd always been looking for el dorado the city of gold so he's gone missing no he went crazy yeah mutt's mom went to yep. find him mary yeah mary, mary. Mary Williams. That, that is just okay. Um, yeah. To be fair, he just says Mary. What's your mom's name? Yeah. Mary. Mary Williams. Would he make the leap and say, "Is it by any chance Marion Ravenwood? Is that your mother?" I, I, I probably wouldn't. Do you know how this movie could have been better with a casting me. choice if they didn't use Shia LaBeouf and they used Short Round? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> well, that would have made no sense. <laughs> like he. What is it? It's 13, 14 years later. Well, you so would, ha would you mean you'd have to drop the whole him being his kid thing? Yeah, uh, yeah short just get rid of the kid. kid. <laughs> and they give the franchise to Short Round. That would have been cutesy and clever and yeah, uh, would have been okay with it. see that. Yeah, I don't know. He was never, he was never an Indiana Jones type. Anyway, I think people were a little too hung up on the fact that Shia LaBeouf was supposed to be the new Indiana Jones. And I think they make it very clear at the end of the movie that he wasn't going to be. Yep. 
So yep, that was another was a... thing that you kind of had to let go. Settle down, people. He's not the new Indiana Jones. There's only one Indiana Jones. So yeah, so Mary, his mom, went to find Oxley, who's an old friend of Indiana Jones. She also got captured, was somehow, I don't remember, able to write a letter or something to her son, Mutt, and say, you got to find Indiana Jones. He's the only person that can help us. And that's how they all come together. And they end up in South America for, I think, the first time in Indiana Jones' time. Because he starts doing what he always does. He picks up the slack that this other expert Left. He knew that Oxley was looking for El Dorado, and with Indiana Jones' critical eye, he's able to look at Oxley's findings and piece it together better. And he realizes that, oh, he found the conquistador's grave, which will lead us further to El Dorado. So let's go to that place in South America. They get to South America, they go into the grave, and they make the mistake of bringing the natives back. I don't know why they would do that after they learned that lesson from Temple. I don't know why they would go in that route, because the communists are another great enemy, much like the Nazis. You can't quite be as fuck-all communist as you can, like, fuck-all Nazis, because Nazis are, like, pure evil. But you can still kind of take the communism thing pretty far. It's just that now that we're friends now with the Russians, to some degree, like, there's not a Cold War going on anymore. It probably would still piss them off that they're now the enemies in this movie. And I think it did. I don't think it played very well with the uh, Russian audience because they were angry that communists were the enemy. Yeah, I could see that, even though they've definitely done a good job of trying to make Russia look like a villain again. Maybe they do that just so movies have a good villain. Who knows? Maybe. So here's my problem where the movie goes off the rails is that he finds the skull, which doesn't look that great. I've never thought it was that great of a prop. It's hidden behind one of the bodies of the conquistadors just sitting there. Okay. But they put it together that Oxley had been there and had already taken the skull to El Dorado, but couldn't get any farther. So he brought it back. What? This is bad writing. And then they just talk. And he walks around with a skull and goes, and he starts putting points together. Okay, so if he did this, that means, oh, and then, so he found, and they just talk, and I'm just like, this is not Indiana Jones. This is not the way his mind works. This is not the way you would write dump exposition at us and that you took a total cop out as a screenwriter and said, well, he knows all this stuff because he already went there and then came back. I just think that's so dumb. You know, these movies are set piece after set piece where Indy figures out something and that's how we move on. And yeah, you are right. Like, this is more exposition heavy than the others. Does it a very big disservice. And then from there, they go... What what happens after that? I can't recall. I just watched this last night and I can't even... I was so bored at that moment. I couldn't. I know, like, it's only been a week and this movie's starting to fade. They do a lot of chases with the communists and Kate Blanchett. She gets the skull, they get the skull. Somehow they end up where Oxley is. And and they meet his... We finally meet Mutt's mother, Mary. Yes. How do they get to that campsite? They get double-crossed, don't they? No, no, that's not it. Well, Ray Winstone's character, Mac, does come back in to double cross to to find him again right yeah that's right because he was following him in south america when they were looking for the grave so he was on his back and i can't recall what happens after they find the skull but somehow they get captured again okay let's just skip that they get captured and they're at and they're in this place in south america with the rest of the communists and oxley's there he lost his mind because apparently staring at the skull affects your brain or something it's too much psychic energy or something is that what was yeah, going on? Yeah, there's some psychic yeah. stuff there, yeah. And it turns out that Mary, his mom, is actually Marion Ravenwood from Raiders. And Karen Allen's all good and everything, but she's just, I don't know, it's kind of a nothing character. 
And this one, she was just there to give Indy some shit. This is also what bothered me is that he wasn't the... He was always a little jokey with her in Raiders, but it's like he lost an edge. He just became, he just became a bumbling grandpa in this one. Oh, and then the quicksand thing with the snake. Oh, God, it's horrible. Who would grab the a snake? The snake is played out. Yeah. Dumb. They could have dropped that. So dumb. But because she thinks she's going to die, she tells him that it's his son. So we learn that Mutt's actually Indy's son, which we all kind of probably knew. And then another thing that bothered me is that this they're supposed they're we know this skull is alien, right? Like right with the first thing he picks it up. It's an alien skull. Yeah, and yet it takes him the whole movie until they're finally before El Dorado when he holds the skull up when we're and then like the the audience is supposed to get it at that moment that oh my god it's an alien skull but i'm like we all knew that a half an hour ago like where were you so they escape they go on a crazy car ride which is another staple of indiana jones but because it's cgi now it looks awful and it's totally played out it's really dumb shia labeouf fences which is stupid uh he takes over the indiana jones role at least for this part and it's not entertaining and then he swings with the monkeys on vines. That's dumb. Uh, I like the ant thing. The ant thing's fine, except it's a little overboard. I don't, I don't know, killer. I mean, I know ants get that big, but I don't think they would take a body underground with them to eat it. <laughs> yeah, the ant thing was fine, but yeah, that's just splitting hairs. That's like the magic yeah. box. That's exactly. I'm with you on that one. Yeah. Uh, so then they make it to El Dorado, right? By driving then, a car into a lake and continuing oh to drive God, it because it's a car yeah. boat. It could have been better than the inflatable raft out of the airplane, but nope, they're like, we're going to make you even hate it more than that, even though that was pretty hated, by having them drop down three waterfalls. Like, it just was so <laughs> stupid. Come on, you're with me on that. It, it was, you know, it was fine. God damn, it was, what a horrible it, it was movie. what it was. So there is, there's a big waterfall, and there's a big skull in the waterfall, but you can only see the skull if you're in the waterfall. Mm-hmm. Then they go into the skull, and it's this wide open field, and it's an old city. And the savages it's again. El Dorado. You know, savages. Perfect. God, quit using savages. We didn't need them because they didn't really do anything. They just were there to give them a little trouble. They ran away from them. And then, and then the communists killed them all. It just was pretty pointless. Yeah, they murdered all of those savages mm-hmm. too. Like that sucked. That was the only part that of the movie. I was like, yeah, this is. We didn't. Yeah, we didn't need that. Okay. But no, they get to this secret alien room, and all mm-hmm. of this plays on that old idea that there's no way the Egyptians built the pyramids on their own. There's no way the Mayans built these temples on their own. How are they separated over such a large time? But they look similar. All of these old questions that we have and so they're answering it with uh well there were aliens but they weren't really aliens they were interdimensional beings that looked like aliens this is this is the part of the movie that's the most of most of a stretch is that these bones were really one being and it was alive and it was separated because like you see all of the bodies merged together into one see i don't think they were one i think that was a visual thing for the audience to say that they were a hive mind and that they put them all together just in that moment but i think there were many because here's another thing that i don't quite understand because the body they found in area 51 she just had she had a skull she claimed there was hundreds of them all around there was two in soviet union so they didn't need those skulls she just left it on an operating table. She needed that skull in particular that the conquistadors stole. So that's the Which, one they had. But why wouldn't anyone work? I don't know. 
So he gave her the gift of knowledge, but it was too much yeah. for any human to handle and her head explode, right? Or she vaporized yep. or something. But does that and, mean that all those communists just, they got sucked up into the sky portal? They just went into a different dimension, right? They didn't like die. In They're just floating around in, in, in the uh, alien's dimension, right? And then yeah. you get your saucer at the end, but the saucer is not played like you're watching a bad B movie. The saucer is played like there's literally a flying saucer in an Indiana Jones movie and it just does not fit. Could I get a pass at this? Like, could I write this movie like that? I feel like I could do something that would work. I would take that first half hour and steer it in the right direction. I don't know what that would be yet, but there's got to be a way to really make it a fun sci-fi B movie mixed with Indiana Jones. And they just took it in a way that it just didn't work for me, man. Like, I don't know if you can use communists in interchangeably with Nazis in the same way. You never felt like... Oh, if they get a hold of these skulls, it means the end of the world. Well, here's the thing with the communists is that they didn't need to make them evil. They could just have made them on the other side. That's why I think the the massacre of the Mayans or whoever they were was such a raw take, man. They didn't need to do that. They could have just been on the other side because that was the Cold War. So we think we're the superior a country and we want these we want this knowledge not because we're going to destroy you but because that's what Kate Blanchett says like with this power before us we could control your leaders and we can make you launch your own nuclear weapons against yourself whatever you know I just think that took it too far I think they could have just used the communists in in more of a subtle way like you're Americans we're communists we need to find this first like the space race kind of thing we need to be first there is no reason for Kate Blanchett to know about the skulls to think that there is a weapon there it feels like they always bastardize old myths to make it work in last crusade we had the merging of the holy grail but also with the what's whatever where you ever find the well of life yeah the fountain of youth or something fountain of youth yes they merged the two ideas and so here we have el dorado and then aliens merged and it's i don't know yeah the building of the pyramids with the city of gold and then they got a one up how ridiculous that was or how how much that didn't work by having indy and marion get married at the end (laughs) i mean to be fair they're both old right what are they gonna date get together and date i don't know i guess like stepping back i would be like yeah i guess they could get married i mean that would probably if they're gonna rekindle their romance maybe they would just get married because yeah didn't indy leave her at the altar because he's still he's Indiana Jones. he's come a long way since then, I guess. So now he's just ready to settle down. And now, and so like, did he, how, why is he assistant dean? And that other dean got his job back, Jim Broadbent. Like, is it because whatever they did cleared his name with the FBI? But it didn't really, how did the FBI know any about anything about this? What is happening in this movie? <laughs> he's Henry Jones. Come on, man. Henry Jones Jr. Yeah, okay, fine. This movie is just as bad as Last Crusade. How about that? I'll give you that. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I will give you this, that Last Crusade does mess with the internal logic of Indiana Jones films in order to move the plot along, but not in that drastic of a way. This movie has bad screenwriting. That's what I don't like about this. Last Crusade has great screenwriting, but yeah, it does maybe mess with logic sometimes, and that bothered you, and I get that. This movie is just bad. Like, it's not written well at all. So I don't care what logic it messes with. It's just not a good story. Would Last Crusade have still been good if Sean Connery wasn't in it? 
Uh, no, because it would have been a total retread of Raiders. Like Connery is the thing that makes it that sets it apart from Raiders. So yeah, maybe you will think. Maybe you're thinking of if you're going to reenact Raiders, this was a better movie to do it in Kingdom of Crystal Skulls than Last Crusade. Whereas I say Last Crusade came first and I already reacted it, so you can't react it again. That's just lazy screenwriting. And that's where I'm at with Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. But you're seeing them as, say, everything came out at the same time. Crystal Skull reenacted it better than Last Crusade. Yeah. But I still don't agree with you. I mean, imagine if we were being critical of, if we were actually thoughtfully being critical and not just fanboying for uh, the first Star Wars sequel of the new era. Force Awakens. Force Awakens. Yeah, you already mentioned it earlier. I mean, that's the least original movie ever made, ever, but we love it. But for whatever reason, they're not able to capture. No, that movie is I actually dislike it because they kill Han Solo in it. Hmm. That's what I was not happy about. Is there anything more um, to say about this? We love Indiana Jones, and I'm excited for a new one. I think that's perfectly fine. And much like Last Crusade, I think that they've learned from the mistakes of the previous movie, and now they'll probably do a better one. To finish out the episode, yeah, let's just be done with Indiana Jones. Uh, to finish out the episode, Ghostbusters trailer, that is what we should have left off with. That's true. What do you want to talk? Yeah. What do you think about that? It has me thinking a lot. And if you haven't seen the Ghostbusters Afterlife trailer, go and watch it. But it shows us a movie leaning heavily on the nostalgia of the original movie while not really doing anything else is what the preview shows it looks like a perfectly serviceable movie i don't i don't even see it leaning into the nostalgia i feel like it's a very modern looking film and it's made for the stranger things crowd uh it just happens to have ghostbuster stuff in it and nobody really understands what that is but somehow it's going to be mixed in but it just looks like a modern ghost movie I don't know whether it's a horror movie or a comedy or a drama. It's just a modern coming-of-age story is how it felt. It reeked of Stranger Things. You're completely yeah. right. Well, it's hard not to see it when one of the stars is the face of it. So what are you going to say? It's like Ghostbusters, Stranger Things. And they gave so much away in that plot, or at least what appears to be the basic rundown of that movie. I think that they're going to find a way to... I just think it's too obvious how it goes, I think that they're actually going to pull something. I think this is misdirection. God, I don't give them enough credit. You know who those people are, the descendants of? Louis Tully, <laughs> Rick Moranis' character. <laughs> I'm serious. Who? That's going to be the twist, is that Louis Tully is her father, not Egon. No. Just, just, yes, just stick with it. I have no <laughs> basis. <laughs> but... They're not giving it away. No one will ever come out and say that they're Egon's kids, but we all know they are. That's why I'm thinking they're not. Well, they basically did. Like, no. Or, I mean, they are just alluding to him at this point. That's what I'm saying. Right. They're only alluding to it. So there is a, there is, this is misdirection. That's an, those are his grandkids. That's an adult woman. They do everything. I, yeah. For something's got to, if that's Egon's daughter, then she would only be. 30 like 31 right or 30 at this time that looks close and the kids are younger yeah but really i mean who is who's the mother like who did egon meet in between ghostbusters 2 where he was just working on you know in his little lab there like i mean some somehow he had to meet somebody within like that's so gonna be a test probably there's a test so this is like 1990 maybe so she's only like 30 years old but she has kids that old so something's going on here i don't know 
Are you ready for the plot of the entire movie? Yeah, go for it. (laughs) Egon, after -hmm. the Ghostbusters break up, continues to monitor ghost activity. He finds in a well in Oklahoma, wherever the fuck that is, that... Uh, uh, I think it is Oklahoma, yeah. What's the name of the bad guy from the Evo first Evo Shandor from the first movie, who was the guy, that, the cult leader that everybody worshipped, and they built that big skyscraper in New York as a conduit for psychokinetic activity. Shandor is the name of the mining company. That's where and, he originated from, yes. Yep. And so he so, went to do further investigations on where he came from, yeah. This is another hot spot for activity where he could reach, who's the bad guy, the flat top woman in the end? Oh, uh, Gozer. Yeah. So this guy was looking for Gozer in Oklahoma, and Egon finds out that he'd actually found him. Gozer is going to be the bad guy in this movie because they kind of alluded to it, and they have the devil dogs back. Mm -hmm. Um, But meanwhile, Egon had a daughter that he never knew about because he contributed a lot of his stuff to science. And what's-her-name finds out about the daughter, lets her know that she has a house and her dad's property because the dad just died or something. Whatever. Well, it's in been disrepaired, so it's probably it sticks with actual time and that he probably Egon died in like 2014, the same time Harold Ramis did. So it's probably been disused for the last five years or so. Yeah, that's my. And now this family moves in. They discover that he's a Ghostbuster. They discover ghosts. They have wacky adventures. Paul Rudd's there trying to bang the mom, and then things get so bad that they call in the original ghostbusters to help the original ghostbusters come in just for the ending it's qd none of them die or anything but it's just this fun heart-lifting thing and they stop gozer and they all celebrate egon's life and then it's over now if you're a ghostbusters fan like i am and you are we all figure this out right Mm-hmm. So are, are we? Do we really just were we just gifted two trailers and a preview, which was pretty fun? I love the original preview or the, the original teaser. preview was yeah. yeah, where it gives all that away, and now that's the movie. That's why I think everything we've been shown is big misdirection, and it is leading us to all figure this out, and yet it is something completely different. Maybe some of those elements, obviously, but I think it um, is a lot of misdirection. If there is misdirection in this movie. I would love it, but I'm not going to hold my breath. There are elements in this movie we probably haven't even seen yet. And like case in point, they may even be in New York for half the film, but they're just not showing us any of that yet. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but that is something you can do with a trailer. Like there is probably, there is, there might be three more story elements to this film that we have seen nothing of. And if all of that's true and that you figured it out and I figured it out already and that's the movie we get, then I'm going to be greatly disappointed, but it'll probably be a fun film. (laughs) I think it's going to be a fun film, but I don't think it's going to be a very good sequel. I also agree with you that I, it may be very disappointing as a Ghostbusters sequel, but I think it'll be a, a fine modern scary film or something and why i think that it is as face value as we see is because everybody's excited about jason reitman directing this movie yeah but give me one reason why his body of work makes you think that he's gonna make a fantastic ghostbuster but why would ivan reitman's body of work make you think that ghostbusters would have been such a success i mean he made stripes (sighs) uh i don't really know what else Anybody with talent, any director can make this movie. I'm not saying you have to be a certain kind of director who can make a Ghostbusters movie. Uh, frankly, I was thinking about it. Like, just imagine if Dan Aykroyd had worked hard on getting Ghostbusters 3 actually made 
in the late 90s and in the year 2000. And he even got like Max Landis to, to direct it. Not Max Landis. Uh, the other Landis. John. Yeah. John Landis. Like, wouldn't that have been great? Like, instead of Blues Brothers 2000, they could have made Ghostbusters 3. Like, why didn't they do that? It could have worked. A lot cheaper to make, probably. Do you know anything about his script in the 90s for Ghostbusters 3? No. So it was going to be Ramus and Aykroyd, and that was it. Like, it's just Egon and Ray, and like Ghostbusters were going downhill, and there just wasn't a lot of psychoactivity. And somehow they're able to, like, in his movie, Hell, it wasn't a place you went to. It was, if you look at one of those lenticular pictures and you look at it this way, you see, like, a happy face. And then if you turn it slightly, it'll become, like, a zombie face. You know, like, those kind of those. Yeah. So that was his idea for New York, that there was Manhattan and Manhelton. And that you just needed to look at it in a different way. And hell was all around us all the time. It was just like a different dimension. So that so it was called Ghostbusters Hellbent. And it was about Egon and Ray battling creatures straight out of hell. It was it was bonkers. It was out of control. But it was something that he knew he needed $150 million to make. And it just never went anywhere. And, and then that became like numerous other scripts over the decades. And, and now I think Reitman came in with a brand new idea. So anyway, that's all. That's all I got. <laughs> uh, what what <laughs> podcast was this when we started? Oh, yeah, it's our F Boy recap series. Yeah, yeah. So right. thanks for joining us. Stay tuned next week. Uh, Aaron, do you have any predictions? Do we think Marcus will get voted off? Oh my god, is that really somebody <laughs> who's on it, Marcus? Have I, I have no idea. It? I've never seen it. No. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm just gonna say, I'm out. Yeah, I am also so. out. So uh, goodbye until next week. <laughs> Bye. Have a good day, everyone.